Thaddeus Young over the midcourt line. They're going to Temple. Left quarter, Levine for three. Bam! Zach Levine with another three. That's his ninth. Wow. Yeah, I'm not. I'm also not intimidated or scared of anybody, and that's just friendly rivalry, you know. Guy talks to you, you don't want to talk back. I don't think, at least me personally, you know, I don't back down from anybody. The only person I'm scared of is God and my dad's. Welcome back, everybody, to hour four of the Arthur Arkish Hub Arkish experience. I uh, love these these rare opportunities uh, to get to, to be on the radio to host on the score with my son, my middle son, Arthur. And we've been having a great time so far. we got another really good hour coming for you. We're going to talk some Bulls basketball now. Before we do, though, Arthur, I'm going to knock your socks off. I, I had a feeling about this, but I wanted the break to look it up. Uh, let me repeat again. Devin Hester, I believe, absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame, and there is no question whatsoever that he is the greatest kick returner, kickoff returner, both kickoff and punt, as far as I'm concerned, in the history of the NFL. That said, what if I told you I was right, Cordero Patterson is second all-time in in career kickoff return average uh, behind Gale Sayers, so the first two Chicago Bears. Sayers averaged 30.6 yards per return from 1965 to 1971. Uh, CP has averaged 29.8 for his career from 2013 to 2020. Arthur, what if I told you that Devin Hester is tied for 70th, as in 7-0, in career kickoff return average in the NFL? That would, yeah, you'd knock my socks. If I were wearing socks, they'd officially be off. Um, It's very interesting. I would counter that. I'd be curious to know how many have the number of attempts and what it took to qualify for the list. Um, But that is wild. Yeah, I guess uh, he he wasn't feast or famine by any stretch, but uh, I guess that's why we remember the touchdowns more than a a lot of the long ones that didn't quite get home, huh? Well, yeah, and and there are rules changes involved, and and some of these guys – uh, the, the, the list I'm looking at is at Pro Football Reference. It doesn't have the minimum number of returns required, but there is a minimum number. Um, but I will tell you just some of the active players. Uh, Amir Abdullah, 26.4. Andre Roberts, 25.8. Dwayne Harris, who returned for the Bears this year, 25.8. Randall Cobb, 25.3. Tyler Lockett, 25.1. Huh. Jakeem Grant, 24. No, he's just behind him. I'm sorry. But those others active players with, with higher career averages than Devin Hester. Uh, but he set a touchdown record that I suspect is, is never going to be touched. And actually, uh, Devin, a, a better punt returner than kickoff returner. He was great at both. Um, but punt returns is, is where he is untouchable. Uh, but, but CP has literally averaged uh, five yards per return over a career that is now almost as long as Devin's uh, in getting there. But I am taking time away from our buddy Campy. We want to talk some Bulls basketball. Rick Camp, of course, is the host of our Bulls pregame shows on our Chicago Bulls broadcasts right here at the home of the Bulls, 670 The Score. Rick, thanks for taking time out of your Sunday afternoon. And I hope that you are enjoying this first year as one of the lead dogs uh, with Arturis Karnaschovas' Chicago Bulls, uh, who are a lot better than I think most of us thought they were going to be. Yeah, there's no doubt, and thanks for having me on, guys. But uh, yeah, it's nice to see the Bulls with what everybody locally and around the league would consider a competent front office and a competent 
coach and coaching staff. I mean, it's, it's really about as low of a bar as you can have, but the bulls are finally clearing it. So it's nice to be able to watch bulls games without dread, without wondering what the next Jim Boylan post game quote is or something like that. And just being able to say, Hey, the bulls are, you're going to be able to trust that they're going to play hard more often than not be competitive. And that you can enjoy listening to Billy Donovan talk about basketball after a game. So, Rick, let's just come right out with the million-dollar question then. How big is the gap between competent and really competitive, and how has the how has the thinking changed, if at all, by seemingly exceeding expectations here in the first half uh, for this front office and what's to come in the weeks ahead? Well, when Arturis Karnaschovas spoke recently, he's he's very good at not saying anything or at least not saying anything that would give away what his intentions are. But if mm-hmm. you try to parse what he said a little bit, it sounds like they're maybe a little more committed to this team than they were at the beginning of the year. Because at the beginning of the year, I would have said by the by the next draft, at least one of who was considered the core guys would have been gone. Quite frankly, that still very easily could be the case. But mm-hmm. I think there's at least a little more commitment to this season at this point, which... I don't necessarily think is the best move, but there's still plenty of time before the trade deadline for those things to, to shake out. The trade deadline is March 25th. You know, everything being thrown around a little bit with the schedule, but the bulls in the second half of the season have the sixth hardest schedule in the NBA and of all the teams in their kind of area of fighting for those end of the playoff spots. Only the Knicks have a very slightly tougher schedule everybody else has a pretty significantly easier schedule than the bulls so i think that's going to work against them so i think the beginning stretch coming out of the all-star break is really going to determine a decent amount because while i i don't expect a guy like zach levine or any of the core guys necessarily to get moved the future of thomas sadaransky and thad young are the types of guys that a slow start out of the all-star break could determine what their future is in the short term with the Bulls. You know, Rick, I, I was listening to uh, Rosie and Grody uh, yesterday morning, and they had some stuff on, uh, they, they mentioned in particular, actually they played a soundbite in which uh, Karnaschovas w- was talking about how he he doesn't view his players as commodities and, and um, that he's really not focused on, on what he can get for them. Uh, Grody and, and Rosie then had a, an interesting conversation about you know, that's not completely true. I mean, his job as a GM is to figure out what their value is. And and yet hearing him say it, it, it seemed pretty genuine. <laughs> I, mean, I, I had a sense that, that maybe what he's saying is, hey, I, I'm new here. These are basically all kids. And let me get a handle on, on what they can mean to the Chicago Bulls before we start thinking about what we can get for them from somebody else. No, and, and that's very fair. And I think it's so fascinating because of how stark the contrast has been when the vets are on the court versus when the vets are not on the court, because the way the lineup's been structured this year has been, especially since the Otto Porter injury, uh, that this team is going to be the kids start and the adults come off the bench. And the bulls have been one of the, by plus minus, they've been one of the worst starting units and one of the best bench units in the NBA, as you'd expect, because Thaddeus Young's having a fantastic year. He really is. I mean, his, 
He's what a plus. I wrote it down here, and of course I can't read it because I set my notebook too far away because I'm smart. <laughs> uh, the Bulls or Thad Young, when the when Thad Young's on the court, the Bulls are plus thirteen point seven. That is massive. So I think that makes a huge difference in terms of moving forward and why the decision on him specifically is so interesting because he's clearly a guy that is a leader in that lo- in that locker room. Zach Levine really likes him when they did the all-star reveal thing for Zach Levine. Thad Young was the one player that was on there. I, I think that matters at least slightly more than zero. It just means that those guys are close. And I think it also means that I'm fascinated to see if they make any sort of lineup change here moving forward because Zach Levine with Kobe White is pretty bad. Those two, as a, as a backcourt, are not good. They are atrocious as a pair defensively. But when you take either one of them off the court and put Tomas Sadoransky in, they both get those, those numbers get better for both of them. So I wonder if the intention is to do what's best for this team, coming out in the second half, letting Kobe White just be your sixth man that just cooks and looks for his own shot off the bench and taking some of the playmaking responsibilities away from him, I wonder if that's going to matter. I wonder if that would be something they would consider to do if they're not looking at guys just as commodities and in terms of purely development for this year, and they are actually pushing for one of these playoff spots to you know, have the right to get dis- uh, summarily dismissed by the Nets or the Bucks or whoever else. Rick, we'll get to certainly Zach Levine in a minute. It's his day. He deserves it. He's been absolutely sensational. But I'm just curious about Kobe White and something you just said kind of piqued my interest. Is Do you think that that, and I know how young he is, and you have to be very careful about trying to like put a ceiling on these kids when we've seen so little, but do you think on a legit contender, uh, in, in, in knowing how unorthodox his style is to, to play point guard, uh, if that's what he's supposed to be, is he ideally suited maybe to be a six man who brings a bunch of energy and some dynamism off the bench? Or does the plan still have to be, you know, how much you've invested in him? He's got to be a guy who's on the court more than that. I think he's best suited, at least as of right now, as someone off the bench, maybe in a year or two, it clicks more in terms of where his vision isn't necessarily like he has blinders on. Maybe it's closer to like the, the old Madden quarterback cone where it like goes out a little bit further, but it's not necessarily where he has full perspective of the court because he makes some nice passes, but boy, when he has bad turnovers, they are truly awful. And it's just one of those things where, you know, you shake your head because there are times where they're on a run, but then Kobe white will drive jump and then be caught up in the air and throw the ball out of bounds or put someone else in a bad position where if you have someone like Thomas Sadoransky starting He's someone where he's not going to look spectacular, but he's going to make the right play. He won't he won't necessarily win you a game, but he won't lose you a game either. And while that might not be sexy, uh, I think it could be in the best interest of your other starters for that to be the case. And just let Kobe White get his confidence back and just cook on the I know, on second units where he was able to be pretty impressive last season. And the other, but the other part of it with Kobe White is this group didn't draft him. So while yes, they did invest the seventh overall pick in him. It wasn't this group that did it. So just like in any sport, you know, if there's someone that sure there was a lot of investment in him, but it wasn't by you, you know, you can kind of 
throw your hands up and be like, hey, not my dude if you want to move him at some point, which I wouldn't necessarily rule out, but I don't know what the value of a Kobe White is on the market at this point. All right, Rick, I think you may have just anticipated my next question. I'm going to be the villain and pee on everybody's parade. I've done it before. (laughs) Um, Arthur mentioned we'll segue to Zach Levine. He's 25 years old. Uh, He'll be 26 uh, actually uh, this week. His birthday's March 10th. I didn't realize that as I I started to ask the question. So he's going to be 26 years old. His value has never been higher. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there enough, because this is, that's the big move that they could make, you know, as you get to the deadline, that's where you could stockpile, uh, you know, uh, both, you know, hopefully maybe lottery picks and, and, and young talent. Uh, is there enough in the other youngsters uh, in, in White and Carter and Markin and in Williams that, that, that that is maybe long range, the move that makes the most sense? And do you think it's something that Karnish of us might even be thinking about? I think he'd consider anything at this point, but the value of Zach Levine around the league is one of the more fascinating things out there on a national level, because when discussing all-star candidacy, it was no sure thing that Zach Levine was going to be an all-star. If you did a straw poll of all of all the you know national media, I would say he was in the all-star game for maybe 55, 60%, but it wasn't a true slam dunk. And that, that, you know, those people are talking to front office folks as well. So is he, has he graduated past empty calorie score? I think he has. His defense still isn't, isn't good. It's not bottom five defensive player in the league anymore. Like it used to be, which is, Hey, that's an improvement. And considering how effective and efficient he is offensively you don't have to be much better than not good defensively to truly be valuable so i think it would take a knock your socks off offer but i don't know if there's any other team in the league that values him to give them that kind of deal i think it's much more likely if they're going to move someone Markinen's injury really hurt their ability to get value for him at this deadline most likely i think at this point most teams are probably just going to say, hey, let's wait for restricted free agency and see if we can pry him away from the Bulls, even with that right of first refusal that they have. I'd be surprised. I just don't know with Markinen. I think having there being still this many questions on him and a lot of teams with cap space and a lot of the top free agents resigning, I think there's going to be an attack on the restricted free agency market, which could mean Markinen gets a really high offer that the Bulls don't want to match. So I could see him being gone either via trade or at some point this offseason. And center is a position you can replace fairly easily. So I wonder if uh, Wendell Carter be someone the Bulls would, be cons- would consider moving on from too because he's going to have restricted free agency coming up in the not-too-distant future as well. I'm a big fan of his. I still think he's a really good player and makes a lot of sense for what the Bulls want to do moving forward. But I think those two guys are more likely to move than Zach Levine. Uh, what do you think? Wendell seems like he's been a, a little bit hit or miss when he's been a, when he's been out there. He certainly can grab a bunch of rebounds and uh, and provide a spark sometimes scoring wise. But what's it seems too like maybe something a little bit has been missing. Maybe it's just a young player still developing. He hasn't been around long. But what do we need to see next from Wendell? Maybe drum up his value even a little bit more if that's what you're either for if he's going to be here long term or if you're going to try and get as much for him as you can, Rick. 
I think his playmaking has been better if it, it could improve a little bit more. Like when he's the screener and pick and roll and he gets to, they call it the short roll. So when he gets to about that free throw line and he catches a pass and the big comes up on him when he has to make a quick decision, he's been pretty good at that. If he could, you know, even get a little bit better at that, maybe his passing out of the post gets a little bit better because he does get a few post touches here and there. And then, you know, get that jumper more consistent. If he could start hitting those threes a little bit more consistently, he doesn't have to be a league average shooter, but he at least has to be a little bit better at it. I think that would help a ton. And part of it defensively, I truly think when when it comes to, I think he got a murderer's row of guys like DeAndre Ayton, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic all in a row where <laughs> yeah. like outside of just how skilled they are, those are huge humans. Yeah. And Wendell Carter has a seven, five wingspan, but he is six foot nine. So it's just one of those things where those are guys that can body up most centers. So it's just not going to be a good matchup for him, but there also aren't a lot of those guys in the league. Right. So I think that's good for him. And I honestly think a lot of his foul trouble issues that he's had, there are times where he's not great on his verticality, but more often than not, he's pretty good. It's just the fact of, getting more comfortable in this defensive scheme that they play, but also the guards it's guys having a lane to get right to Wendell Carter and putting Wendell in a bad position as well. So if you're able to improve your perimeter defense, it'll help out your big. And it's mm-hmm. just one of those things where everybody, they always say everybody's on a string defensively in basketball. And it's just one of those cases where a lot of the numbers end up falling on Wendell Carter. But a lot of times where the issues start is with whoever's on the point of attack. Okay. Rick, let me go back to Levine for just a minute here. You look at these numbers, and, and there's something that it, it's almost startling. In his first six years in the NBA, his best ever shooting percentage was 46.7%. He is shooting 52.5% this year, almost six points higher. That, that's a big number. And, and you might want to just explain it away by saying he's going to the hole more and he's going to hit those, but... From beyond the arc, the best he had ever been prior to this year was 38.9. He's hitting 43.5 this year. These are big leaps for a guy his seventh season in the league. Is, is it Billy Donovan? Is, is it the players around him? Is uh, Where do you think this has come from? Yeah, one of the things that's always frustrated me with Zach offensively is he hits he hits tough shots, but sometimes he puts himself in positions for those tough shots. Uh, so his shot quality has gotten better in term or in terms of getting a little more open than he has been, but also part of it's the ball's been out of his hands a little bit more. And what that allows him to do is, and mind you, I looked this up in terms of trying to figure out if there's a betting angle for the three point contest. Uh, you can always look at players catch and shoot three point percentage. And that's kind of like about as rough of a, an estimate as you can get. Zach Levine is shooting 48.6% on catch and shoot threes this year. So I think just the fact that he doesn't have to handle the ball quite as much as he was last year. I mean, last year he was almost at Trey Young, James Harden type levels in the offense that Jim Boylan wanted to run, where this offense is a little more egalitarian, where that ball is moving around. You do have players moving and it makes it a little bit easier for him. So he's able to cut a little bit more and get easier buckets, but He's also just not feeling like 100% required to have to shoot at the rim or three. And while I'm someone that obviously like 
I like the analytics and I like the fact that it says, hey, if you have the option, probably shoot the three over the long two. But if teams are giving you the long two and you can hit that shot well, do your thing. And I think Zach probably feels freed a little bit more by the ability to do that. And he's definitely spoken to it as well. Rick, I love hearing that nugget about uh, about the threes and the three-point contest tonight. I definitely threw just a little bit of cheese down on, on Levine. We'll see what happens. Any other betting angles you like tonight? How do you feel about betting the All-Star festivities in general? And uh, obviously some late changes here today, unfortunately, with Embiid and Simmons uh, dropping out because of the COVID uh, scare. Yeah, another reason I like Levine for three-point outside of having the best catch-and-shoot percentage because mm-hmm. not all catch-and-shoot opportunities are created equal like Steph Curry has a bunch of catch and shoot opportunities where he's curling off a th- off of a, a screen but there's still a guy on his hip and he catches and just puts it right up without bothering to dribble at all so I you know Steph Curry's still the favorite and he absolutely should be but right. in a lot of times with with these contests it's also you know the give a care factor and Zach Levine so clearly wants to be known as more than just a dunker and an athlete He was just on the All the Smoke podcast with Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes. And when they were basically doing the Chris Farley SNL, hey, remember when you did that dunk? That was awesome. Like that was, he was almost annoyed by it because he just made the all-star team. He's been carrying this Bulls team to a better record than they had before. So I think in his mind, him winning the three-point contest would sort of help to validate him as more than just a dunker. Mm -hmm. So I think compared to the other guys in this contest, that gives him a little bit of an edge, an edge there, and that's total narrative on my part. But right. I think that does matter a little bit. In terms of the skills competition, I know that Robert Covington's long shot, and he's the long shot for a reason. Like he shouldn't be. If I had to go anywhere other than the two favorites of Chris Paul or Luka Doncic, I would probably go with Nick Vucevic. Because I like the odds at five and a half to one. He shoots the three better than people expect. And he's a a primary playmaker in Orlando. Uh, And then I don't know really much of anything about the dunk styles of any of the guys in the contest. But I've heard Cassius Stanley can jump out the gym. So that's all. That's all I'll give you there. But I'm interested to see it tonight. I'm normally not the biggest all-star game viewer. But I'll be tuned in to just see kind of logistically how everything happens tonight, if nothing else. All right, Campy, I know we got to let you run. I, one of my great takeaways from today is a, a little bit of a, a, a seedling-type concern that my son may have a gambling problem now that it's legal. Uh, but moving on <laughs> from nice. that, um, uh, before we let you go, I, I think the question of the hour, it, it was fun hearing Karnaschovitz point out, I think it was yesterday morning, that as satisfying as this bull start may be to some, that there is literally a game and a half separating the number four and number 10 seed in the conference. Uh, is this Bulls team a playoff team this year? I think not. Uh, I'm And I'm also trying to project out even if they were in the 10. I don't consider that the playoffs. I consider getting to the one through eight the playoffs. Their schedule's tougher. If they make any moves to remove from this roster, it'll be a veteran, and that will really hurt this team because the veterans have been propping this team up all year. Um, mind you, that's what I would do. However, I, I don't know if they're going to do that. And as I look at the other teams, the other teams have some things working in their favor. Washington's playing a little better lately. Atlanta's going to get healthy at some point. Indiana's better than they've played so far. 
teams like Toronto are going to solidify themselves a little bit. So I think the Bulls will probably be, will just miss it in like that 11 spot, maybe the 12 spot, but as fun as they've been this year and they'll continue to be a fun watch, I don't think they'll end up being a playoff team. Rick, we do appreciate the knowledge, of course, for all of our listeners. If you want to follow the Chicago Bulls on the radio, you've got the home of the Bulls, 670 the score. Rick Camp handles our pregame duties for us and obviously extremely knowledgeable, does a great job with it all. Thanks much, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. That is Rick Camp. We are going to take a quick commercial break. We can squeeze in a call or two on the other side before we bring you Kyle Long. If you like, the phone number is 312-644-6767. And we're back to answer your calls in just a moment. Welcome back, everybody. I guess I've called it the Arthur Arkish and Hub Arkish experience. I don't know that it's much of an experience for everybody, but hopefully you're enjoying the conversation. I know I've had a blast doing it. The time just flies by, Arthur, when we get to visit with the best sports fans in the world. And we have covered a lot of ground, a lot of Bears talk, a lot of salary cap talk, quarterback talk, free agency talk. We had uh, Brad Spielberger get us some salary cap expertise to understand where the Bears are really at. Matty Lee is doing a great job these days covering the Chicago Cubs for NBC Sports Chicago. Of course, Patrick Finley of the Sun-Times on the Bears beat was here. We just had a visit with Rick Camp, talked some Bulls basketball. Uh, We talked about Nico Horner spraying to all fields in spring training. I think we've done a decent job of spraying to all fields so far this afternoon, and I hope everybody has enjoyed it. Um, You know, I'm I'm listening to Campy and and really impressed, obviously, with all of his NBA and Bulls knowledge. And, you know, I I almost have a sense that, that the Bulls, they're, they're in a different spot than the Bears. They're young. They've been rebuilding. Hopefully their arrow is pointing up. And yet the decisions that, that, that Karnaschovas has to make in, in the next weeks and months are, are not all that different than the, the, the deadline now that, that Ryan Pace is at with similar decisions. Yeah, I, I think there are some parallels in that they're, you know, both franchises still kind of trying to find their way and with some intriguing pieces to build around. I, I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, I think Zach Levine has become a star and maybe the full-fledged star that you need to, to build around. Um, we don't really see that on the Bears yet, and I think there are some questions as to the, if not competency, just how good the coaching uh, and the front office, uh, in fact, is where there's obviously renewed confidence for the Bulls. So I think there are some similarities, uh, obviously some differences, too. What we didn't really get into too much with Rick, or we did a little bit because he correctly pointed out that Thad Young has just been awesome, really. I'm just wondering how much they might be able to get for him if they're looking to move just the veterans and not yet decide on some of the young pieces uh, I'm guessing that Thad, I mean, I know he's not going to bring back any ridiculous haul, but uh, I, I'm guessing he might surprise some folks with what he's able to fetch just because of how uh, productive, how consistent, and, and just what a, a really big factor he has been for the Bulls on a night-to-night basis. You know, it's an interesting point, Arthur, because obviously first-round draft picks in the NBA don't carry anywhere near the weight that they do in the NFL uh, if it's not a lottery pick and, and really even a top three, top four pick. Uh, you know, you're likely to get a seventh or eighth man at best. And yet when you look at Thad Young at the age of 32, 
if you've got a contender out there, they might give you a, a first-round pick. And when you go back and realize that guys like Jimmy Butler came at 27 or 28 in the first round, it, it certainly is is worth doing. I mean, the Bulls are not close enough that you'd hang on to a guy like Thad Young. It's interesting when you we talk about Zach Levine as a now legitimate NBA star, and he is. He's in the all-star game tonight. Um, you do also have to realize, though, that with his 26th birthday uh, coming uh, on the 10th, which I guess is, uh, when's the 10th? Wednesday? Wednesday. Um, he's, he's, he's middle-aged by NBA standards. I mean, he, he's hit middle age. Um, he, he can stay in his prime for another two, three years. But, but you're not talking um, uh, about a young star that, that right. you're going to load up uh, you know, a bunch of first-round picks and maybe another player. Um, and, and so that's what I think makes this so tricky is that he probably has as much or more value to the bulls, uh, over the next two or three years as he's going to bring back in a trade. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think what's a bummer. There's been so much, uh, there's been a lot of positives and, and a lot of enjoyment and I'll only speak for myself personally in, in getting back to following the Bulls this year because I really didn't care at all. I just uh, it was it was 100% apathy for Jim Boylan and even preceding him for a while just because the team's been a joke. But as I have been uh, paying more and more attention, um, the bummer to me is that some of the young evaluation hasn't been able to get done. You mentioned the Lowry injury. Obviously, we still don't really know how he and Levine uh, Levine are going to play together. And then as Patrick Williams, I think, looks like a, a player, and I think you know we'll find out. He's still so young, and we don't know what uh, his ceiling may look like. But I just think we need to get an idea. We mentioned Kobe White a little bit. Uh, we need to get an idea of maybe the second star, because obviously we know in the NBA you now need two, if not three of them, and, and full-fledged stars to really have a chance. Uh, the Bulls need to find out if they have a, a, even a second, much less a third already on this roster. Uh, that's been difficult to figure out so far this year. You know, it occurs to me, you and I are going to get ready to say goodbye here, and I have been neglect, we have been neglect in not uh, keeping our NHL slash Chicago Blackhawk fans up to date as the Hawks have been skating with the Tampa Bay Lightning at the United Center today. Uh, And unfortunately, after getting off to a really good start early uh, and looking like they might even run away and hide from the Lightning, uh, the Blackhawks now trail Tampa uh, four to three as they begin the third period. They're about a minute into the third period. They're down four to three. Uh, so, folks, hopefully the, the Hawks can uh, hang on and come back there. Um, we also there... didn't mention Brent Seabrook at all. I know he took out a, a really nice ad uh, in, I believe, is the Sun-Times this morning. I'm guessing you may have just a quick thought or two uh, on Brent Seabrook uh, hanging him up. Well, I mean, you know, how rare is it, regardless of the sport, that you get a guy who is an all-star, um, I think you could say a potential Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer or not, but but I think he's probably going to be in the conversation for a lot of folks who plays an entire 15-year career uh, with one franchise, and it's your franchise. The Chicago Blackhawks has three rings, three Stanley Cups, um, and, and in his heyday, in his prime, w- was one of the top three or four defensemen in the NHL. Uh, again, for almost a decade, you know, we talk about that as Hall of Fame uh, standards, and 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 hockey players to me are a special breed, Arthur, because the 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 beating they take and, and the injuries that they play through and the toughness um, and Seabrook certainly qualifies, and I think it's really unfortunate the way his career has come to an end, but 
when we heard that he had had three surgeries in, in, in a two-month period, I think it was about 18 months ago or whenever it was, um, you had to sense that, that even if he got back on the ice, uh, it was probably over. And, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it ends that way. But we are talking about what I think is probably a Hall of Fame career for a guy who never played for anybody but the Chicago Blackhawks and also a tremendous uh, contributor to the community. And um, we're just lucky to have had him. We're lucky to have seen him play. Yeah, well said. A class act and just uh, the, the type of players that the type of player, excuse me, that you'd love to have a bunch of out there on the ice. He was a joy to watch. I'm not a big hockey guy, but nothing but fond memories of uh, Seabrook and what he meant to this city and that franchise. You know, also, when you think of him and Keith Will, uh, Wilson together, uh, you, you know, for, <laughs> I'm sorry, Duncan Keith, uh, I'm getting yep. confused with all my great Blackhawks defensemen, but when you think of Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook together for over a decade, um, and pick your sport and pick your position to have possibly the two best in the league, or, or two of the best. Certainly Duncan Keith was the best uh, on a number of occasions. Seabrook just a notch behind him, and Seabrook maybe even as, as, definitely as good, maybe a better big game guy. You know, when you look at what he did in the playoffs and, and, and in crucial moments, um, it's remarkable. It, it, it's something, that it, it's a hallmark for sports, for any sport, uh, for one franchise to have been that good at that position for as long as they were. So, Arthur, what we're going to do here, we've been promising everybody, there, there's been some great Kyle Long interviews at the score this week, a couple of them. One was Zach Zaidman yesterday. Um, and we think that all black, all, all uh, Bears fans and all sports fans might want to hear it. He, he, he teases a few things. It's really interesting. And so we want to play it for you. But that's going to be the end of our show. We're going to play it when we come back from this break. So before we go, want to make sure that I once again thank all of our outstanding guests uh, that joined us today. Patrick Finley was here, Brad Spielberger from Over the Cap and Pro Football Focus, Maddie Lee from NBC Sports Chicago. Of course, our very own Rick Camp was just here. Sean Anderson, uh, Arthur, Sean, I'll say it to you, Sean, I can't say enough about the job you guys do producing and engineering for us. Uh, it continues to be interesting as we work from various locations due to the pandemic. Um, folks, Sean is one of the best and did just a great job for us today. And then last and certainly not least, and probably most of all, for Arthur, we want to thank all of you who listened, all of you who called, all of you who texted. We really do appreciate it. We're not done. I, let me rephrase that. We're done. You are not. Stay right where you're at because we got about 13 minutes of great radio coming for you right out of this break. Kyle Long and Zach Zaidman, that's up next right here at 670 The Score. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Want to watch all your favorite score shows live? No problem. Now see them all on Twitch. That's right. Molly and Hall. Bernstein and Rahimi. Lawrence Holmes and Parkinson Spiegel. See them all do their shows live on Twitch. Guys, we can see you. Hi. How amazing. I was waving earlier. Layla was the only one to wave back. The rest of you gave dirty looks. I don't. Based on the, the interaction with the, you know, the Twitch audience, they seem to love it, Molly. KC, so great to see your smiling face. It's amazing, this technology. We're twitching, gentlemen. Just search 670 The Score on Twitch TV or on the Twitch app. 
FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of Radio.com and 670 The Score. From the opening tip to the final buzzer, there are so many ways to bet on the NBA on FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook app, the official sportsbook of the Chicago Bulls, and an authorized gaming operator of the NBA. I like FanDuel Sportsbook since they got a secure and simple app to use and have exclusive bet types such as same-game parlays where you can buy multiple bets from one game into a single parlay. And once you win, they get you your winnings in as little as 24 hours because it's the right thing to do. Now is the perfect time to give FanDuel a shot. If you sign up today, FanDuel will let you place your first bet risk-free. That's right. They'll give you up to $1,000 if you don't win. When you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, sign up with promo code HERB, H-E-R-B, so they know that I sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code HERB. Must be 21 years or older and present in Illinois. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800- gambler spring is finally here and you deserve an upgrade there's no better way to upgrade than with a new hyundai filled with all the latest technology including the digital smartphone key save big on all our hyundai models and get the upgrade you deserve only at the hyundai spring upgrade event get zero percent apr for 60 months on select vehicles plus zero payments for 90 days offers end march 31st 2021 call 562-314-4603 for details For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Microband 24 protects against Staphylococcus aureus and Enterobacter aerogenes bacteria, but does not provide 24-hour protection against viruses. Every time you touch a surface, you leave behind bacteria. To keep surfaces sanitized all day, use Microband 24 Sanitizing Spray. Spray on hard surfaces to kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria initially, including the virus that causes COVID-19. Once dry, Microband 24 Sanitizing Spray is effective for 24 hours on bacteria when used as directed. Hey, it's David Haw. Did you feel the cold air coming into your home during the recent winter blast? Window Nation wants to help. Get two free windows with every two you buy. No limit. Make no down payment with no payments and pay no interest for two full years. Call today, 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. 670 The Score. Kyle, what do you do on a typical retirement weekend day? Ooh, typical retirement weekend day. I, I usually try to call in with one of my buddies on the radio, and that's you. How are you, Zach? Good talking to you, man. Um, I, I see what the old lady wants to do, and then I schedule golf. Um, I try to get out as much as I can right now. I'm in Arizona, so during the weekends I like to play some golf. I think I'm going to go later on, maybe see uh, Mr. Fuller. He likes to get out there and play as well. So if I'm lucky enough, I'll play with him. But during the weekdays, I'm training, trying to stay in shape, um, just for you know general health and happiness. That helps me out a lot. And then, uh, yeah, get out on the golf course when I can. How dialed in are you into all the different things happening during an NFL offseason now that you're a studio analyst? Well, <laughs> I'm not as dialed in as I probably should be at this current point in time. Um, 
I've got a wedding coming up uh, in May, so I'm kind of uh, getting dialed in in that department, and the other stuff's on the back burner. But like any football fan, I follow along with social media, and uh, I do my due diligence to check up on the Twitter feed and see what's going on across the league. That's why you're working out like crazy. It's for those yeah. wedding pictures. Dad said, take my advice. You don't want to be fat for your wedding. <laughs> Kyle Long is with us here on The Score. Before we get to all the different things happening in the NFL, during this past season, because when you talk to guys who have retired, they'll always tell you there comes a point where you get that itch to get back in the game. Did you get that at any point during this past season? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, it never goes away. Uh, you know, I talk to my dad, I talk to my brother, they still have that love for the game. And you just have to be very honest with yourself. If you have the itch, am I able to go do this? Or is this kind of a pipe dream? And do I need to figure out some other stuff to uh, serve as my outlets? Yeah, I mean, I itch every day for football, even sitting in the studio in a suit uh, with my wonderful colleagues at CBS Sports. I kind of tell them during the break, hey, you know, I kind of wish I could hit somebody today. And it's, it's not because I'm in a bad mood. It's just because I kind of enjoy it. Uh, and that, that'll never really go away. Being around the team, something you miss a great deal as well, Zach. Do you, do you get offers from teams? Do, do teams call you up and, and try to, to kind of take your temperature, so to speak? Yeah, I had a few thermometers thrown at me this past season um, when I was not playing. Um, and right now I'm putting myself in position to uh, have all options on the table. Um, I hate to use a Ryan Paceism, but, you know, we've got it all on the table. What does he say, Zach? He's, uh, <laughs> everything's on the table. Uh, everything's on the table. There you go. Um, so I'm training. Uh, if, if I'm going to be in media next year, it'll be with CBS Sports. They've, they've been a great employer. I've learned so much. I've got some great teammates there. Adam Shine, London Fletcher. Amy Trask, Jonathan Jones, and uh, the whole gang. Um, it's a lot of fun, but, you know, you, you, cannot, you cannot replace football. So I'm going to do my due diligence, and I'd be remiss if I, uh, if I didn't because I would have those regrets forever. So you're not fully retired at this stage? Yeah, I'm on vacation. <laughs> Kyle Long is with us here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Before we start to talk about what the answer in the future is for the Bears at quarterback, you had a unique perspective for the first couple of years of the Mitchell Trubisky era. Why do you think it didn't work out? with Trubisky in the offense that the Bears currently run? I think at times we asked Mitch to do too much, and at times there was an, over, there was a, an adverse reaction to the lack of elite level of success offensively, so we kind of dialed back a lot of stuff, and then you kind of become uh, one-track-minded offensively. And these defenses and defensive coordinators are pretty bright, and they can figure stuff out. Pretty quickly, um, you know, you find yourself with a with a heavy populated box, and when I say box, I mean linebackers, defensive linemen, everybody's up tight to line of scrimmage, and they're daring you to throw the ball. Uh, I think Mitch is 
Mitch is a talented guy, and he can play quarterback in this league. We've seen him have success. But he needs to be surrounded with the proper pieces, like any guy in the NFL. needs to be surrounded with the proper pieces. And uh, the, the scheme needs to fit the, the team, you know. And it's uh, you got to figure out what your scheme is based on the people you have in your locker room. And I think oftentimes some of these teams get, get that twisted. What should the identity of the Bears be? You know, based on what you saw during the final month of the regular season when things were clicking against some of those low-ranked defenses, it, it looked like the Bears had found a recipe of who they should be. Can they do that against the better teams in the league and have success? Yeah, I think there's, there's no doubt that running the football leads to good things. And one thing that Mitch does well is throwing off of play action getting outside the pocket and delivering the ball down the field. Um, you look at a guy like Mooney, and uh, he was wide open a lot this year, Zach. He was wide open a lot, but by nature of whether it was scheme or uh, you know protection stuff, you, you don't find him. Uh, you, you don't find him as often as you'd like to. And I think that it's it's you're not far off offensively there. You've got Mustafa on the field now. He's done a great job at the center position. I really enjoy. Uh, watching his ascension to uh, become one of the fan favorites in Chicago. He's always around the ball after the play. He's always picking up his teammates. That's the culture you need. You need guys like Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, Sam Mustafer. The list goes on and on and on. They have these guys, and they're one or two pieces away and one or two thought processes away from having some success offensively. It's not the yards per game that we struggle with. It's not the rushing game that we struggle with. It's the putting the ball in the end zone. And, you know, your defense can be as good as you want, but if you're not scoring points, if you're not scoring touchdowns, you're going to have some trouble in this league. And that's what Matt Nagy mentioned yesterday. We're talking some Bears football with Kyle Long here on the score. All right, what's realistic? I know what the dream is for the Bears in terms of the quarterback position, and that's the two biggest names that may or may not be available in Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. But when you look at it from the standpoint of a studio analyst, what's probably the most realistic answer at the position for the Bears? I really like Sam Darnold. Um, I like Sam Darnold a lot. He hasn't really had the opportunity to find success in New York, I feel like that that market, as we know, is it's a tough. It's either it's either really tough, or it's you know you're the king. And unfortunately, he doesn't have the pieces around him to be the king yet. I think he can have success in a place like Chicago. They have some of the pieces um, necessary to help him out. I think he's a good quarterback. So if you can't go get your pipe dream in Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, who would be Obviously, that would be amazing lands for, for Ryan Pace and the Bears. But if you can't do that, you got to find somebody else who's got some experience, or he got he got to make that move in the draft. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what that entails or what that looks like, Zach. But I know the Bears are willing to do whatever. What does Alex Smith do for you? Alex Smith, uh, what an incredible story obviously it goes without saying uh but i can honestly say if i'm in that locker room if i'm an offensive lineman the sense of the, the heightened sense of awareness that we've got a guy who is potentially uh 
you know, one hit away from, from being in a tough spot. Uh, I can't speak to his exact physical condition, but he looks great this year. I mean, there were times when, um, as, as an analyst, I'm watching in the studio and I'm kind of like wincing. A guy, gets, a guy gets free from the guard or the tackle, and you just want to close your eyes and you just hope he comes out okay, and he did. But uh, I think Alex would be a tremendous option to have in the locker room. He's somebody that Nagy knows well, uh, and I think he would be able to communicate well with whoever it would be that the Bears select for that quarterback position. But if you make the Alex Smith move, are you going to have enough capital to make the move that you want to make at the quarterback position? Well, I don't think Alex Smith would be option 1A, but I don't think the guy went through the 17 surgeries in the two years of rehab to merely be, say, a backup quarterback or a mentor. I, I think he would want to go to a team where he gets a, a legit opportunity to start. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think there are teams like that out there. I mean, we've heard the rumblings this morning, Jimmy G to New England. Uh, you think about a, a scheme with Kyle Shanahan at the helm, Alex Smith at the quarterback position based on running the ball, based on some play-action stuff, I think he would have success there. Kyle Shanahan is a a bright coach. That's an understatement. And, uh, yeah, there are teams and options for a guy like that. But when I'm thinking about Chicago and I'm thinking about the fans, they're going to want a guy that checks all the boxes, that has no question marks. And, unfortunately, um, I've dealt with it. The physical side of things put some question marks next to your name. 